Welcome to this episode of the Limitation is a Mirage podcast. On this episode, I have a special guest, Lee Hathaway. Lee is a magician. He has fooled Penn and Teller. He has fooled me many times. He has been one of the UK's leading magicians for many years. Uh, whenever lockdown happened, I actually reached out to him because I knew I was going to have to do online magic shows. And he was one of the first people I reached out to to help me to pivot online. So he knows more about magic than I will ever know. And that's what we're going to get into today. How you fooled Penn and Teller, what you get up to, where you are, everything. So that's pretty much who you are as far as I as, as I know you anyway. Did I leave anything out? No, I know. I know. Uh, one of the interesting things, I suppose, was how you and I met because it was through our mutual friend Ian, wasn't it? Well, yes and no. I, I was going to bring this up. So we officially met through the star party through Ian Rowland, where we both performed. Uh, which I love because I was telling people, oh, I'm just going over to London to perform. A couple of people on it, one guy full Penn and Teller, and a few other, and they're like, God, you're, what, what? And I'm like, yeah, that's how I used you to, to, to raise my status. <laughs> but, well, that's what, that's what you're supposed to do at a party. <laughs> yeah, this is before I got there. Um, but actually before that, you... Well, I suppose with lockdown, you don't do it at the minute, but you had a stand in Common Garden for many, many years. Isn't that correct? So probably my third day as a magician, I was at your stand. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So what, you've only done magic for three days? Yeah. I, I literally had convinced Steve, the guy I lived with, to teach me magic. He agreed. He seen how keen I was after three days. Just We were both martial arts instructors, and he was like, I was like his first magic friend. He was like, right, we're going to Davenport's. And then we're going Steve, to who's that? Steve, who's that? You probably wouldn't know me. Didn't perform anywhere. Steve Shackleton okay. was one of the okay. trainers with me. And he just, he actually, the first trick I ever saw in real life was he put a 50p or a 10p into a dead Coke. Can of dead Coke and I just, just my mind was blown. And I can, took me three weeks to convince him because he was very much... <laughs> not a secret people don't want to learn so we actually went to davenport's i bought a couple of things and then we landed to your stall and it, i just remember so I, had that stall, I had that stall for um about eight years or so and uh it belonged um it's, there's always been a magic stall in common garden there's always been a uh, um a stall and then one time it was a gypsy cat gypsy sort of gypsy type caravan and they made it into like a stall in Covent garden and then they made it into like a little hut. And there's always been a magic magic shop in Covent Garden for since I was a kid, really. And uh, when I was a kid, it was owned by a um, wonderful South African lady called Marina, uh, who uh, used to demonstrate all the magic tricks and had all the jokes and exploding cigarettes and exploding yeah. pens and, you know, fart bombs and stink bombs and oh, oh, like rubber chickens and all that kind of stuff. Just a proper magic shop like I, like I love. And... Uh, um so i used to go and work for her occasionally at weekends and stuff and i'm still in touch with marina marina um she's still a friend of mine she lives she lives in brighton now she's got a son uh i think she's like in her late 50s she still looks amazing she's got this sort of south african blood that just never ever seems to age yeah, yeah. So she still looks, looks the same as when i knew her sort of 20 30 years ago um and uh so i worked for her as a youngster and then i went um away doing magic and sort of did my own thing and <coughs> went out to do a contract in Gran Canaria for a 
<coughs> holiday resort, excuse me. <coughs> excuse me. Um, and uh, I did this contract on the holiday resort in Grand Can for about six months and it didn't pay very well. And at the end of it, I was quite skint. So <coughs> I thought I'll come back to London trying to sort of build my magic career. And uh, I worked for Marvin's Magic, which was uh, Marvin's got, <coughs> if you don't know, concessions in Harrods and Hamley selling sort of magic tricks and toys yeah. and stuff like that. So <coughs> most people probably have at some point <coughs> in their life had a Marvin's magic set from Santa Claus, I imagine. Yeah, and when I was, I remember going to Hamley's when I was a kid and they were, Marvin's was just in its infancy and they had some really good products as well and still do, but... Um, you know, I would, and, uh, and Marvin's a great guy. I mean, he's a, he's a real person. People often, people often <laughs> yeah. wonder, you know, <coughs> is he a character? But he's a real person. I was on the Magic Circle Council with Marvin for about seven years. Marvin Burglass is the son of David Burglass, and that's his magic brand. Um, oh. And uh, and so I came back to the UK, and I was quite skint. I mean, I'm going back now to sort of 2002, 2003, so this is like nearly 17 years ago. And uh, uh, it was getting close to Christmas, and uh, I phoned up Marvin's Magic and said, uh, "I want to. Um, I've got no money. Can I? Can I come and? Can I come and work for Marvin?" Um, and they said, "We're really sorry. We've done all the interviews. We've done all the. Uh, you know, we, we've got all our magicians lined up for the rest of the year. Blah blah blah. There's nothing we can do." So I said, "No problems. Um, just let Marvin. If you can, let Marvin know that Lee Hathaway called and said, can I? Can I come and do? You know, be a demonstrator.'" Um, and blow me if about 10 minutes later, I got a phone call saying, we've spoken to Marvin, you're the resident magician in Harrods for Christmas. <laughs> because they weren't used to getting having people that knew about magic. But, you know, they, they had actors and performers and stuff. So, so that was a real good opportunity. Um, and I was skint, but it was a good opportunity because he knew that I knew what I was, you know, yeah. I knew all those products, you know. Um, so even even back then, I'd already established a relationship with Marvin, you know, from going to the Magic Circle and hanging out with magicians. So I became the sort of resident magician in Harrods uh, for, for that period of time. And I met a guy called Neil Henry, uh, who's still one of my best mates, who's an amazing guy. Um, he's now become like an Instagram influencer. He's got about four million followers on Instagram or something at the Neil Henry dot uh, com on TikTok and stuff. And he's doing promotions for stuff in the States. But Neil was a great mate of mine. And we met uh, we met working in Harrods and we were demonstrating uh, Marvin's magic tricks and uh we was we were like selling the selling the roof off them. We were selling loads of these tricks because we were really enthusiastic and we yeah. knew the dem and we, we did it really well. And after about six months, Neil and I went, hang on a sec, why don't we uh instead of working for Marvin, you know, this is we're really good at this. Why don't we do it for ourselves? So uh Marina wanted to sell her stall in Common Garden. Um, she'd sort of come to the end of it. So I said we could buy Marina's stall in Common Garden. And uh it's a stall, so you pay a rent every year and but I spoke to her and she wanted, um, she said, look, you know, I'm, I'm, I've, I've run this business for the last 10, 15 years, you know, uh, um, I was, you know, happy to accept uh, 25 grand for it. So Nina and I thought, well, we haven't got 25 grand. How are we going to get that? So, so we, so we both went this, and this is honestly true. This is what we did. We're, uh, this is about 25 years ago. 
working in Harrods, we took our paychecks and we went down to the car auction and we bought two NACA cars, right? Uh, we bought this, this old Ford Mondeo and this old Honda Accord for like 300 quid each. And we drove around every open air market in the country for about two months during summer, uh, buying in these magic tricks because we, we had we knew the suppliers we knew where to get them demonstrating them at these markets and selling them and uh, we were sleeping in the cars we were driving to the city link and UPS depots in the morning to get more stock because we didn't have the money to buy more stock and uh, we were so we were driving all around to these different markets sometimes I was in like the north of England the next day I was in the south we, we were eating like bags of crisps and pot noodles and whatever and but we basically we made 25 grand in two months <laughs> that's um, impressive at markets yeah I mean we nearly killed ourselves but <laughs> never ever want to do it again uh, I mean we're literally like People go, oh, why don't you just do that all the time? It's like, well, yeah, apart from the fact we need to kill ourselves. But, yeah. but uh, you know, especially driving in the, you know, middle of the night, you know, tired and et cetera. But we made we made the money. And and so we bought the stall in Common Garden. That's how we that's how we bought the stall in Common Garden. Um so uh, and then we had that for eight years. So so sorry, that's a bit of a long-winded story, but that that's how we ended up having that stall in Common Garden. Yeah. I love that story because like we'll get into it in a while, but you, what you do in Fulos and you just threw out there that you were uh, in the magic, the magic circle and everything just came out in the middle of that conversation that I'll come back to as well. But you must have got people that say things like, oh, you're real lucky to get on Foolis and you're real lucky that you can be a paid performing magician, professional magician. But that story shows that you did what most don't when they have a dream. They have a dream and they go, 25 grand, well, that's not going to happen. We'll just go home. Whereas you were like, well, we could drive the country, work in markets for the next. We may die, but we might we might succeed as well. So I, I'd never I'd never want to repeat it. I mean, it's uh, it, it seems like a sort of, you know, it seems like a kind of obvious thing to do. It's like, wow, if you can make twenty five grand in two months, do it. You know, but I mean, I'm not I'm not kidding you. We keep, we nearly killed ourselves doing it. It was like imagine, it was yeah. the most unbelievable in. And there was just a sort of fire in our bellies and buzz to just go and do it. You know, it was like running a marathon. You know, it's like, we're gonna, fuck it, we're going to... Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on here. Work we away. That out, not, yeah, excuse me. But literally, we we bought these two old knackered cars and we just drove around to every open-air market and we just demonstrated our asses off until we had the money, you know. And, and I'd, I'd be phoning Neil every night, you know, sitting in a, a knackered Ford Mondeo, eating like, you know a crisp from the pound shop you know and stuff because we had to save as much money as possible you know how have you done have you done half done 400 quid today i've done 600 quid today you know great let's phone bristol novelty tomorrow let's order another 10 you know 100 dynamics and stuff and we just uh and uh i mean it's a crazy way to raise money but um but uh, but we raised an awful an incredible amount of money doing it yeah yeah but you couldn't you couldn't do it forever you'd, no. you'd literally just burn out you know um the fact uh, that you was, had an end goal in mind as well would it help like is everything you earned yeah you knew, even we, we knew but that's what we wanted to do was buy the stall in common garden and we managed it and and we were about we we're i think when we went to marina we we're about five grand short so so but she let us pay the rest of that off, off over like the, the next 12 months so cool. um but but and she knew how much work we'd done to sort of try and get that you know but i'd never do it i mean i, I just can't imagine doing doing 
yeah. that again it's, it's, it was uh, yeah the funny one funny thing about that so uh, we've we, uh, and i'll move on to the uh full last thing and say one funny thing about that my mum and dad's car just went wrong they, they bought a um skoda Yego or whatever it's called about six years ago a brand new one and they've had nothing but trouble with it uh for the last six years and it's gone wrong so many times and that honda that we bought nil we paid 150 quid for an auction right and it it never went wrong <laughs> it didn't go wrong for about three years it passed three mot's and then eventually it got pounded at um park lane pound because nil parked it in the wrong place and we did, <laughs> and neil and i just went you can have it we've had three years have it. you can have it Brilliant. Uh, imagine just how much you must have came on as a performer whenever you had to every day just suck it up and get out to people like I know from my own experience whenever you go to perform somewhere where people aren't expecting magic it can go one or two ways like you can just have people going what is happening here why are you why is there magicians or they can love it but you you really develop a, a skill of dealing with people and, and the punters around you and everything so do you think overall that would have helped you get to the level that you're at as a magician now are you asking about if you enter an environment where people don't know there's going to be magic happening i'm just thinking in general because i know i've i've went and worked comedy clubs and i've worked nightclubs and i've worked festivals and it's it can go one or two ways when you end up with a group of people that aren't expecting magic they can just have no interest and take the hand already or they can they can get involved, but you have to develop very fast as a performer to like. So I've got a few. I've got a few examples of that. I mean, I mean, I mean. Nowadays, I'm I'm fortunate in the sense that if I go and do if I go and do a gig, then uh, people know if you're there, you've clearly been booked to be there because otherwise, yeah. why would you be there? <laughs> uh, so you get the luxury of that sort of instant status in the sense of you know, and even if it's some, even if they don't know there's going to be a magician there, it's like you know, if you're at a wedding and you go, oh hi guys, you know, um, you know. Dave and uh, Dave and Sheila have asked me to, you know, uh, you know, uh, Mike and Sarah have asked me to come and entertain everybody. You know, it's kind of you've got a status there already, and also people are in a kind of unfamiliar environment. Most people, how many weddings do most people go to in a, in you know, or the yeah. black tie events or anything? You know, if you're not a performer magician, how many events, bar mitzvahs, weddings do you attend? Very few, you know. So you have that kind of upper hand in that sense of the fact you're supposed to be there. Going back a bit further from that, um, you know, I used to work in restaurants or, you know, in nightclubs and that sort of stuff. And then there's more, um, there, there's you've, you've got much more of a challenge because, you know, where you're coming from in, in with that question was like, how do you introduce yourself as a magician? You know, it's like yeah. people don't necessarily know that you're going to do that. Yeah. Um, I, I relate it to restaurants a bit because um, that's uh, where I grew up doing a lot of the sort of learning to do magic. You know, uh, one of the things I used to do in restaurants was go up to go up to tables and say, "Hey guys, it's magic night. Do you know, do you know it's magic night tonight?" Right, um, and that was always a really good introduction question because if you ask people, "Do you know it's magic night tonight?" They're now intruding on your space. You're not intruding on theirs. So, yeah, so, right. so, so it's like, oh shit, I didn't know, you know. But, but it's like that they, they, they've, you know, it's not you've come along as the magician and you're intruding on them coming out yeah. to the restaurant. They've come into your space. So, so that was a really good opening question, you know. And it wasn't said in an aggressive way, but it was, said, hey guys, you know, it's magic night tonight, you know. Yeah. I'm sure we didn't know, blah blah blah. But, um, uh. 
So I've, I don't know, because I don't know really, Liam, because it's been a while since I've had that problem problem of approaching people in terms of they don't know there's magic going to happen because most of the jobs I do now there's a private gigs and I and I just sort of expect it and also I remember talking to Adam Bloom the comedian who's a great friend of mine and 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 Adam made Adam made a wonderful point and uh and we chatted about it for quite a while was like that the 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 way the way that you come, you know, he was talking about coming on stage at the comedy store, you know, and you've got this sort of audience of, you know, like vultures ready to jump on you and and you know and heckle you and stuff. And and, and he said literally, you know, he said forget what comedy you've got and what uh, lines you've got, and you know, people think, oh, what I'm going to do? What's the material? It's like, and Adam was like, literally, the way you come on and grab the microphone tells them whether or not yeah. they should listen to you, you know, yeah. and whether or not they should pay attention to you, you know, and and it's a real insight because, like, you know, and you know, you and I know because you know we've been to those gigs and we've been to those places, and it's like, if you see someone with confidence or spark, it's like you know that way before they've done anything. Yeah, you know, and and, and you don't and and. I don't know if people can fake that or not. It's like, you know, if, if I'm, I'm a magician, I know if I, I have no qualms with going up to people and approaching them, you know? And, yeah. And so people get that vibe. They kind of, they bite, you know, that they, there's something, I don't know whether it's unconscious or whether it's a body language thing or whether it's just your confidence, but, you know, before you've done anything, people know whether they should listen to you or whether they should, you know, go, who the fuck is this guy, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it's so, it comes from doing like we we both came up through the trenches of performing whereas a lot of people don't and then they go in and, and they're just they don't know what to do like I remember being at a, at a magic jam and they were telling me all these routines and how it works and I was like well what is normal people how do they react and they were like oh god I haven't done it and we were in a bar and I'm like well there's a group of just a group having a bit of crack I was like go over there and chat to them and do the routine they were all like, no, fuck, how do you, how do you approach them? I was like, what do you mean? You just, what? And I yeah, yeah, yeah. demonstrated yeah. and came back and I was like, they're, they're lovely, go over and do something. And they were like, yeah. so I think coming up through the trenches gives you that, like, you know, you're good at what you do. So even if you were heckled or like, you can still perform in a, in a way that they're not, they're going to be mystified by it. They're not going to be looking at you thinking... I don't think people people i mean i mean sometimes you get really drunk people and stuff that want to heckle you and have a go and stuff and sometimes you get people that want to heckle you a bit and actually they can be quite a laugh you know it's like a bit of you know when you've done the job for so many years it's like you know someone with a bit of banter is quite handy actually you know because you can bounce off those people you know it's like it's whether they take it too far do you know what i mean but but actually you know i you know i grew up uh, my, most of my learning to perform close up was in places like Jonglers Comedy Club and you know and rowdy restaurants. So so I don't mind a bit of banter with people. Yeah. In fact, you know, it's something I can you know have a bit of a laugh with them. And actually, some of the best performances I've had are when you've got someone that's interacting. With, you know, it's much better than having a dead audience. You know, yeah. so um, and they know like you know if they give you a bit of jip, it's like but they you know I'm a professional. I've done this for years, man. <laughs> you're not you're not going to win this, but yeah. it's like you know, that that's. You know, so those people can be quite useful sometimes to you, you know, don't yeah. I think I, I, I like that. I think it's the bad thing. Yeah. The seasoned professionals lack of fear of the audience. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and also, and and you know, and if someone uh, once you've you know when you've done that uh, uh, job for that long, it's like you know sometimes you, you know if you come across someone that's to- actually a real dick, you know. <laughs> A road job. They expose themselves as it, you know. Yeah. They, they expose themselves way before you need to say, you know. So it's, you know, if you get someone at a comedy club who wants to have, you know, makes a couple of comments, great. You know, if they've been a total knob, you know, you're starting to look around, going, "Where's the security?" You know, they need to be chucked out now. Do you know what I mean? You know. So I, I used to subtly remind them that I have 20 years of martial arts experience before I was a magician. <laughs> like, yeah, unfortunately, I don't, I don't have 20 years of martial arts experience, but, but from now on, I'll be saying, my mate Liam. I'm going to ask about the picture in the background, obviously, because it's in the background for a start, but I would like to know, see, this is me, I don't even think of the audience in this one listening. I'm thinking for myself, what is your mindset whenever you know that you're going to design a routine to fool Penn and Teller, who are probably the most knowledgeable magicians in the world? Like, well, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't necessarily have a mindset for uh, that objective because I'd already created that. So, so um i've never had a massive desire and, and this is honestly true um I've, I've spoken about this in other podcasts as well i've never had a massive desire to be on tv or be famous it just is not a thing that really you know uh, appeals to me i love performing for people i love doing magic you know um i don't i like i don't mind being known you know in rooms and stuff you know i'm not i'm not an introvert the idea, you know, being famous and being on telly is just not a big thing for me. You know, it just doesn't do anything for me, you know. Uh, uh, and I can see all the disadvantages of it. And and so it's never been something I've chased after. And I, I never really wanted to go on telly, you know. Uh, there was, you know, I know plenty of magicians who've chased after doing TV gigs and stuff. And it's just, yeah. you know, I'd rather go out into a room and perform for real people. I mean, you know, and, and a testament to that, sorry to divert from your question slightly, but I will get back to it. But, but you know, is over this lockdown, a lot of my friends have done Zoom shows and stuff like that, you know, and I, I looked into doing Zoom shows and I did a few, and I just don't enjoy them. I just don't enjoy yeah, I was doing it as a content, right? I don't, I don't want to be on Zoom performing with people. I want to be in a real party, in a real situation performing for real people. That's what I love and that's what I enjoy, you know. Um, and... I've sort of I've I've created my life around being able to do that rather than you know yeah. having having to you know pander to uh you know the fact that I need some cash so I've got to do a Zoom show and stuff I don't want to I'm not yeah. going to do it um so when uh, uh, so and the reason I say that is because when this show came along uh the criteria was and and I'd never been interested in doing telly before but the criteria was have you got a trick that will fall pen and teller. And about 10 years before, I created an effect, um, which I created for competitions. But the fundamental thing about it was I knew it, I knew it would form magicians because it had never been done before. And it was a completely alien concept to 
any other method of magic that had been done before. And I, and, you know, and as, as well, you know, you'll know, you know, anyone knows me, you know, I under, I do know magic, you know, that's the one, you know, that's yeah. the subject, you know, I've read hundreds, thousands of books on it, you know, and I, 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 if you, if, if I meet magic, even, you know, the greatest card magicians in the world, I might not know exactly what they're doing, but I have a, you know, fairly good idea of where they're coming from, right? You know, and yeah, I mean, there's there's a few exceptions to that rule, but generally speaking, you know, I can talk about card stuff and I can talk about close up magic, you know, and and I really know my shit there, you know. So yeah, so and on that basis, it was like I created something. I went, magicians aren't going to know how this is done because this is just so beyond that and i never did anything with it for about 10 years because it was shells and it was going to cost about three grand to make and it was you know it wasn't worth it unless it was a competition but it was one of those ideas that was sort of put on the back burner in case you know one day there might be a reason to use that you know yeah. and then i was at magic circle and this thing came up in the article it's like oh penitentiary i've got this new series fool us can you do a trick that will fool us and i phoned up the production company and as it happened, a friend of mine, Angelo, was working on the production team and I knew a couple of people there. And I said, I've I've got a trick that will really you know, genuinely fool them. I know this will fool them because it's never been done before. And I made a really crude version of it. And I went along to the studio at Hammersmith and I showed um, showed the production team. And uh, they had Penn and Teller had their advisor in who was Johnny Thompson. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Johnny Thompson, yeah. but... Johnny's like, I mean, sadly passed away now, but was a magic legend. This little old man, you know, performed in Vegas, knew everything about magic, absolute legend of magic, like magic royalty, you know. And Johnny watched it. And and what was beautiful about it was, it was this really crude crap version I've made up. But he's a magician. He's done magic with love. And he just totally got it straight away. And he looked at him and was like, oh my God, you know, he, I love this. I love this because I see where you're coming from. I just know this is going to, you know, I mean... Uh, yeah, without using expletives, but he said, I know this is going to come up, <laughs> you know, and, and he was really, he loved it straight away because it, it was just, you know, as a magician, you go, oh yeah, we can get behind that. And uh, so that's what sort of spurned it on. But even now, you know, uh, being on TV and, you know, going to Vegas and all that was great. But my, my, my favourite thing about the whole experience was falling Penn and Teller. That was the thing for me that's like, you know, as a youngster, who loved magic, who in, you know, endured, you know, it, it devoured every last thing I could learn about magic. I've read thousands of books on it. And, you know, and, and it's been my passion in my life for so long. You know, the, the thing that I really cared about was, wow, these are two of the greatest illusionists and magicians in the world, especially Teller, you know, yeah. but particularly Teller. Teller, you know, Teller's written forwards to books back in 1970 that, you know, way before he was famous. I mean, he's a legend, you know. And one of the greatest magicians on the planet, and you know, to fall Teller is is for yeah. me more of an achievement than doing the TV or doing Vegas or anything mm. like that. That's the thing that, like, you know, to see the look on his face of going, I don't know how that worked, you know. Because <laughs> then you go, because then in your heart you go, you know, forget the, you know, the 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 reaps of going going abroad or anything. It's like you know, the, or you know, any financial benefits in your heart. You go, wow, you know, I know I'm good at this now because because. I've just, yeah. you know, I've I've just got one over on one of the greatest magicians that's ever lived on the planet. You know, well, one of the things that, that I think about it is the only reason I ever contemplated ever thinking about the show was I love whenever I did the same as you. I would have researched a lot and spent a lot of time with people. So when people do magic in front of me, ninety percent of the time I see it working and I appreciate what they're doing, but my brain never goes, "What happened there?" 
And I imagine if that's me, like Teller must never get that, like very minimal. So then that you can come on and give him that, bring him right back to the first trick he ever saw where he goes, what happened? Like, how did that work? For me, that would be just like you said, like it's not, not the TV, it's none of that. It's the fact that you're basically bringing magic to a person that is so aware of magic that he never really gets that moment that the normal lay person gets. So, um, yeah, I just love the fact that I love the routine as well. I'll, I'll link the routine onto this. I just love and the, and when you, you talked about the way you walk on stage, whenever you watch your pen and teller, you just own the room whenever you walk on. It's not a case of, hello, I'm here to pen and teller. It's like you just go into, you know, you're meant to be performing in front of people whenever you go there. So um, I'll link that below so that people can get into it. Uh, so that sort of leads me. Have you ever had a gig where you just thought, like, what was there a point in your career where you were like, this is what I'm supposed to do? Like, this is. Yeah, every yeah, every gig I do. Yeah. <laughs> every gig I do. Yeah. And and uh and I, I remember it's really interesting you asked that because I had a conversation with um uh Richard Young. We did we did a podcast that was never uh aired, but um uh and over the over the lockdown in the past 12 months um what's really got me down is that uh i love performing live and i love doing gigs and i love being close i love being a close-up magician doing gigs i love doing stage stuff as well but i love going out to weddings parties private functions and performing and doing close-up and i remember richard and richard asked me the question of like what's the next stage where do you want to go what's your regression and for me there isn't that's that was that's the that's the to be able to go out and get you know six seven hundred quid a gig and it's not the money at all it's the fact that i can make a living doing that was yeah. it was entire uh, when i got to that stage of being able to do that that for me is like you know it was absolutely perfect right i don't want to i don't i don't need to progress beyond that that to me is top of my game. i don't want to be on tv i don't want to make it to vegas i was so happy to always be doing gigs and stuff and that's what's been depressing over the last year is not being able to do that because yes. i love i absolutely love doing gigs and going out and performing live with people and and earning and earning the money I do, and I don't need to do anything else beyond that. And that doesn't that's not a that's not a case of not being ambitious or not sort of wanting to get to the next level. It's it's the it's entire, you know, because because that's not that's not me as a person at all. It's yeah. entirely the fact that's where that's exactly where I want to be. I love doing that. And and why would I want to sort of sack that in for to try and get to an upper level, which I might not love, you know. I absolutely love. I love doing gigs, um, and I don't want to be anywhere else in that sense. That's that, that's that's entirely where, and, and I, hopefully it will come back because, of course, over the last twelve months, that's been lost entirely. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I love talking about you about all this stuff is that you can see the passion and the love and the drive to do it. Uh, like we had the same sort of same experience. We did Zoom. We tried Zoom and. Like I know I did it. I did twice and was like, I don't like this. This is and people were saying, but you could you know what, Liam, Liam, sorry to interrupt interrupt you for a second, but but you know, just to pick up on what you were saying because it's important. It's like, do you know what? I sort of I went through life like uh 
uh, as a teenager and stuff, you know, and I struggled because, you know, for many reasons, I was a very smart kid at school, you know, then I sort of, you know, then I went to secondary school, wasn't so good and I became disruptive. And then, you know, I struggled sort of in my late teens because I, you know, I am, um, I was gay and that, that sort of caused me problems, you know, and then I came out in my early twenties and, you know, and, and I, I sort of went from job to job and it, and it, and it wasn't until I got to sort of like the, my late twenties and I had a, couple of you know shitty things happen and blah blah blah. but but when I started doing magic professionally and when I started doing gigs you know and when I did the pen and tire thing and I went to gigs I was like you know uh for the first time literally uh in my for the first time in my life I was like this is me I, I really felt like you know uh I was sort of late 20s early 30s and I was like I went to a gig and I smashed it out of the park and I walked, you know, many times and I was like, this is me. This is exactly who I'm supposed to be, you know, and, and there's a real honesty to that and there's a realness to it. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and, and I loved that. And I, and, and that for me is so important. And for, regardless of any financial reward, it's like, I knew, I knew then it was like, this is who I'm supposed to be. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. And I'm not lying to anybody. I'm not hiding anything. I'm I'm doing what I want to do, you know. And so, I guess, I guess that that that's that's why I kind of hold on to that in a sense. You know what I mean? It's like I don't want to, I don't yeah. want to yeah. be on TV. I don't want to go go and do X, Y, and Z. It's like when I did that, I was like, this is me. That's exactly how I'm supposed to be, and I love it. And I, and everything about everything about it is right. And so, so that's kind of. Uh, why I, I don't you know it, it, i'm not i wouldn't say i'm not an ambitious person you know i don't i don't don't you know i'm not good at setting goals and wanting to achieve stuff but yeah I, I knew i knew then that this is exactly who i'm supposed to be you know I and mean? this is what i'm supposed to do i'm good i'm really good at going and doing gigs and doing close-up yeah. magic you know and and so that's what i want to do you know yeah but even with, with the goal set and stuff you are ambitious and goal set and what you do in your area of expertise. So it's not like you're just doing the same routines you've been doing for 30 years without trying to improve movements, patter, improve routines, improve your interaction with people. So I think you're lucky in a sense, I know there's gonna be people listening that they've never found, they've never had that moment of this is what I do. Like for me, it was when I went on stage and I, and I was doing uh, a talk about anxiety and I could see the people like really getting it and going, God, if I do them things, I'll help. And I remember just coming off the stage going, that's where I meant, I meant to be on that the whole time. That's like talking to people and, and helping improve them. But yeah. 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 most people don't get that experience in life. And I think it's down to the fact that they don't try enough. When I told people I was going to be a magi magician, they were like, right, seriously, what are you, what are you doing? I'm like, no, I'm going to be. But that's that. That is exactly. I think you just nailed it. There actually is maybe no, because most people don't. Most people go and get a job, and they go and be, go go right. You know, I've studied. I'm becoming an accountant. I'm becoming. You know, some people. Some people great. Do you know what I mean? Many people follow their path. You know. Yeah. But it's a battle. It's a real bloody battle to follow your path sometimes because it's you know that's not the easiest option to take you know there's, there's um there's, uh, i was watching a great series on netflix the other day with a uh, called pose with a guy who sort of became a banker and realized you know but i knew i know a guy that became a lawyer in london and studied at oxford then became a circus owner and you know there's so there's so many people get distracted from you know and you're, i think you're right a lot of people don't necessarily ever get that experience you know they yeah. get stuck in the rut they get stuck in then you know there's a 
comfort to sort of having a steady income, a nine mm. to five job, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, but the the experience, if you've had it, when you're talking about standing on stage, and I had it when I did magic, of yeah. that moment where you go, you know, forget the money, forget the financial world, the moment when you go, this is this is exactly what I'm supposed to do. This is me. Yeah. You know, is 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 revelatory, you know, and it's a spiritual experience, isn't it? It's like yeah. you walk out and go, you go, wow, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's why, you know, and and uh, it's it's life affirming in a sense because you yeah. go, this is what you know, this is what I'm really good at, and this is what I can do. Yeah, you know, and yeah, and uh, and it's uh, I I I think that uh, a bit of advice if anyone's listening to or watching this podcast who's worrying about not following, you know, their, their destiny in a sense is that go out and seek that because that's really worth having, you know, yeah. is knowing, knowing what you're really good at. Yeah, that, that moment is worth the 10 or 15 years of hell you put yourself through. With Absolutely. Am I, is this right for me? And shoot it. Like I, I remember working for different companies, even before I did a lot of stage stuff and them saying to me here, we would give you a full-time job doing this you'll be steady income full-time secure and you're like that would that would be so destroying i don't want that i would rather absolutely risk, yeah risk this yeah. to get to where i am and um, i just love listening to you and the way you're talking about you haven't just the pen and teller thing you could have used it to try to springboard a career on tv but that's not what you want you could have used lockdown to do zoom but that's not what you want you you've stuck to what you find what you love. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the Penn and Teller thing has done me really, really well in, and still does. I mean, it was 10 years ago and it still does me well in the sense that people go to my website. It's on the front of my website. If I'm pitching for a job amongst, you know, if there's an agent, you know, and they're looking at three different people, it's like, well, I fall Penn and Teller, you know, that's, that's yeah. my, you know, stepping stone to that platform. But, and it's been incredibly useful like that. And I mentioned it an awful lot of times, but that's not really me or how I performed. You know, you know, it's like, yes. that's, you know, that's just, you know, a useful kind of. Uh, Marketing if, tool. Well, it is. Yeah. It's, yeah. No, yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. It's a bargaining tool, you know, and it's like, you know, it's, um, you know, I often look at, it's, it's funny now because I look at singers um, and bands that have had like a one hit wonder, you know, and I'm like, oh, wow, they're really well known for that. But I bet they're much better than that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so much other shit since yeah. that. But that's the thing they're known for, you know. And, uh, but it's, it, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it, um, I'm not, the, doing that show was absolutely brilliant for me. And, and it's kind of like, it's instant status. You know, it's like, yeah. if you're pitching for a job with agencies, like this yeah. guy for Panamella, instant status, you know, before yeah. you've had to spend anything else, you know. Whether or not, regardless of the fact that someone's, A, someone might be better than you, and I might be, you know, shit, but it, <laughs> you know, or vice versa. But it's like, you know, that kind of thing gives you instant status, yeah. you know. And, and so, so those things are worth doing. You know, um, I've had you know discussion lately about you know Britain's Got Talent you know and, people, and I know I've got lots of my friends and performers and like you know look down on it and frown upon BTT but it's like do you know what in this environment in this in this world yeah. it's like get yourself five minutes on BTT boom you know that that's all you need you know it's like bookers people that don't know you people that go on your website you know it's like oh wow he's done that you know people yeah. buy into that. You know? Yeah. I have one of those. I opened for Paul Daniels whenever he was last in Ireland. So, oh wow, I used it for everything. People be like I would say things like on the phone, like, 
well, I could do the sort of stuff I did when I opened for Paul Daniels the last time he was in. <laughs> like, what did you, did you mean him? Oh yeah, you know when I, when Paul Daniels, I opened for him, like, and I would use it for, and that got me, like a lot, a lot of stuff, and people would say you talk about that a lot. And I'm like, yeah, because in the environment that I'm in. Yeah, drop it in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why not? Yeah, yeah. It was nice hey, mate, listen, listen. Yeah, do you know when you speak to when you speak to Americans and how they self promote themselves? It's like we're we're humbling. Yeah. We're humbling comparison. That would be humble. That's why I did so many random things. Like even like the Ninja Warrior thing. I I was injured. I knew I was never going to complete it, but I knew yeah. when I said the companies. I've done a lot of mindset stuff. Like when I was on Ninja Warrior, I helped some of the other contestants. One of them actually got to the final. They're like, you were on Ninja. They don't care about everything else. They're just going to you were on Ninja Warrior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they, they, they pull you back. So yeah. um, I produced a, um, I did a series of magic sets with um, really useful games back in 1993, 1994. Put them together um, in, um, and, uh, created them and they sold about half a million sets around the world and uh, mm-hmm. i just sort of forgot about it like it was like you know, i made a few grand out of it and stuff but i forgot about it. and then uh richard young came on the magic circle form the other day and does anyone know who created these magic sets in the 90s because they were great and i said that was me and and uh but the reason i mentioned it was like he was like geez i can't believe you've never you haven't mentioned that i made a big deal out of it or you know because that's quite quite an impressive achievement and i i just thought it's just something i did you know in the past yeah. and that but yeah. Um, and, that, and I've had no reason to bring it up, you know, other than on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since that conversation, all the time. You should have had one with now all the time. I'm bringing it up now, by the way, yeah. <laughs> I did it with a book. Like, I, I wrote a book and I have it behind me all the time. And every so often I'll have a reason. A lot of the time it's organic, like now, but sometimes I'll just reach for, like, I'll reach for my water and, oh, I wrote a book just, just <laughs> you know, so... And you had some, you had a bit of help from our friend Ian. Yeah, well, a bit, a bit more than a bit of help. It wouldn't exist without him at all. He, he was he's amazing, isn't he? He's amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. He's doing a thing this yeah. week, I think, as well. Some big mind venture or something like that. He's he's at. Shout out to Ian. If and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've already talked about him many I've times. I've had him on as well. I've had him on. I yeah, talk yeah, about him all the yeah. time because, like, amazing. He's, amazing person amazing yeah. person done so yeah. much stuff for me i'm just thinking the hards thing i think i had marco and i think she was a resident singer in hards i think you and i've got two remember marica roush remember she was at the star party oh marica yeah marica yeah, yeah. yeah she was a resident singer in harrods was she thanks is there another big store like harrods or beside it well, you've got Selfridges, Harrods, Harvey Nichols. But I mean, Harrods is the. I Harrods think it was hard. I think she, yeah. I must yeah. look back, but I think. I mean, I mean, I can imagine her being a resident singer in Harrods. It sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Um, but um, have you had Marika on? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Marika was. She's, oh, I mean, wow, she's incredible, isn't she? I mean, just amazing. Yeah. yeah I went. Yeah. I, that's who did, taught me vocal coaching because. Being from Oma, we yeah. couldn't really move our jaw. We only have half a guess, <laughs> here. And I, I used to gig and people would go, what? And then I was like, I need to work this out. So oh my god, she, wow, the voice, the voice on her is just incredible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember at the star party, that was another thing at the star party. When I was going over there, I was just picking up everybody. I was like, pick up myself through everybody else. Like, oh, there's an international vocal coach singing as well. Yeah, this. <laughs> <laughs> I only was on the stage literally 
two minutes. Ian was like, can you bring a chapstick and break a chapstick? And I'm like, he's like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said to me, I'll film everything else. I like the evening that. <laughs> Just standing and did that. Um, I know we're taking up a lot of your time, so I'm going to round up. Have you anything? I love your branding, though. I think that's a really important thing. But um, when you did the chopstick thing, but I don't know who came up with that, or whether that was yourself or where that came from. But the Prove It guy is just such a such a great yeah bit of branding because it's like it's instantly recognizable for people. It's the kind of thing businesses, corporates buy into. It's yeah. like you know that's a that's a great catch. It really is. That's it really was cool. a mix of me and Ian. He, he had sat me down and he was like, what is it that you do? And I was like, I do all this mental shit, but my whole point is that everybody can do it. And if they give me a chance, I'll prove it to them that they can do it. I'll teach them how to do it. And he was like, so you're the prove it guy. And I was like, okay, I am now. <laughs> so I guess, you still use that? Do you still use yeah, that now? Still use yeah, the, the prove it guy for all my stuff. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, just from, from a company point of view, it's like, if you're going to book some, wow, that's, that's yeah, we'd get the prove it guy. You know, yeah. so, I mean, that's really smart. Yeah, yeah it's, great. it's a great bit of mark. He came up with a name. Limitation is a mirage as well. Mirage, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. He loves anagrams yeah. and things, and then like yeah. that was for my TED talk, even before the book. That's how much. That's how his brain worked. He was like, "You're, you're going to write the book anyway, so let's prep the TED talk to promote a book that doesn't even exist yet. So now they can fall back off each other. So it's uh, why this podcast exists. I love being around people like yourself that just do." incredible things and don't i remember since um when when i because um, i've known him for so long and then since he got to know you and then all of a sudden he's doing like 10k runs and 15k runs yeah. and stuff i'm like jesus what has liam said to him you know <laughs> I, I have that i have that um influence over people i think it's because like again it's where I, I, need, I need to i need to fly you to the uk for some uh for some post lockdown <laughs> i can do it all online now i'm everywhere oh, people I, all over the world now but it's one of the other things about the Prove It guy. It's why I love the brand and I love being congruent with what I say. So I tell you how I live my life. And even now the podcast I stand because I like to perform and I perform standing. So if I sit that, I'll, I don't want to sink into it. I like to move. It's why it's probably annoying to watch for people, but I move <laughs> around whenever I talk. And I always talk about being healthy, eating healthy, training and all that stuff. And, you spend time with me and you go, fuck, he's not full of shit. He's actually, when he says he does that, I've been around him for three years and I've spent five days in a row with him and he's done exactly what he's claiming. Like I remember being away at a health convention and everyone talked about all the shit that they do. And I was like, well, I'll be doing Jigong and Tai Chi at six in the morning out and it was a lovely garden. I was like, out here, everyone's welcome to join me. Everybody who gets up at six o'clock was like, yes, 100%. I'm out there on my own at six o'clock in the morning, five days. You're like, where the fuck? Where are all We're on holidays, you know what I'm like? But it's not a holiday for me because it's how I live my life. Same as with you with magic. It's, you're not, it's not, it's what you do. It's just, it's not, you perform magic. Sometimes you are a magician. Well, does your brain work the way mine? Whenever I was fully into magic, when people were talking to me or if I'd go through a shop, I'd be looking at objects and go, fuck, I could do something like that. This year would be. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we talk about um, 
uh, funny enough, I was talking to, uh, to a great magician called Tom Elderfield the other day, and we were saying like, uh, I mean, there's some shops you go into and they're just like um, uh, Aladdin's cave of stuff <laughs> you can do with magic, you know. And, yeah. uh, and Tom gave me a really good tip, actually, that I've never uh, never heard before. But he said, he said like, if he, if he ever sees something that he thinks he might be able to do a magic trick with, he buys 20 of them. You know, I mean, like, we're talking about like pound shops and cheap stores, yeah. you know, but... Like he'll just buy like, you know, 10 or 20 of them and take them home and just put them in a pile. And then like, then they're there. And every day you've got to come up with silly ideas with them. Yeah. And I think that's a great idea, you know, because I, I walk about like, those, those kind of, you know, um, uh, those sort of junky kind of hardware stores and stuff. There's so much cool stuff in there you can yeah. see and do magic with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, but that's a great idea. Is just yeah, buy half a dozen and just sit them on a table, you know, and just <laughs> yeah. play with them. That, come up with magical ideas. Yeah, that was one of the things I really loved about getting into magic was you see the world in a magical way, as cheesy as it sounds, but everything has potential. And then when I started getting into mentalism and stuff, I, I listened. It made me a much better therapist whenever I got into the hypnotherapy work because I listened to so much that people said so I could use it back. Like I would hear them say, oh, we left Karen with the kids. So then I'd be doing a routine and I'd be like, why are you thinking of someone called Karn? And then it like blows their mind that you just mean. I've often people. tried to, I've often tried to think about what it is I love about magic so much because I love magic since I was a kid and I still do. And it, and like and i think when you when you love something that much and it's your passion and it's your living and it's your life you kind of have to you should take a step back and go what why do i love it so much you know what is it about it and and certainly one of the things one of the elements um overridingly uh, that you just uh, uh, alluded to there is the fact that i think it unlike many other art forms or creative things it's like magic lends itself to so many different uh, uh skills and attributes that you have to have yeah. you've got the practical thing of making a prop you've got the technical thing of learning a sleight of hand you've got the psychological thing of you know how you say something you've got the uh the presentation in sense of how you present it makes a difference you've got these this whole uh sort of uh this whole recipe and mixture of skills that are required to create magic you know um, yeah. and that's that's one of the things that definitely i love about it is it's not people got people say oh you know your sleight of hand's really good but it's not just sleight of hand you know it's yeah. to create magic and do it really well and be able to be a good magician requires so many other requisites and and things you know if you're and i'm not in any way wanting to diminish you know the the greatness of you know some pianists or you know musicians but it's like you know or jugglers or whatever it is but if your skill is i'm a pianist then it's how you play you know it's how yeah. you play the piano that's it you know it's whether can you play the piano well that's it yeah done and but with magic it's like it encapsulates so many skills psychology presentation you know uh, uh the gimmicks the the sleight of hand the 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 body language there's so many things that magic captures as an art form which which makes it really interesting to me you know it's, i have to i have to know and learn about all of those things yeah you know because you're trying to create something ethereal you know yeah i remember like just get, like reading books and thinking I would never in my life have thought of studying linguistics. Like I wouldn't even have known what linguistics was before I got into magic or like people yeah. you meet people like Ian and Ian says to you, read this book. And you're like, what the fuck's this got to do with magic? And then you read it and your wee magic brains go on. Oh, I see how this all 
interconnects and intertwines. So why it connects? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I mean, uh, for example, I was chatting to somebody just the other day. We were talking about doing the water into wine trick, you know. And I've got a book behind me, uh, Chemical Magic, that talks about how you mix iodine solution with, you know, with this, that, and the other. And it's like, well, you know, now I'm doing chemistry. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a chemist, but you know, now I understand how chemical reactions work, and you know, and stuff like that because I've learned about magic, you know. And so, yeah. so that's the, that's really what I love about it is the fact that I've is there's so many other elements that that combine to uh you know and and when you talk about you know now i understand it better because i've done magic for 20 years and it's like what are you trying to create is you're trying to create you know uh, a viewpoint of someone's mind that actually is magic you know is not oh that's how a trick's done that's how a trick's done yeah and to do that you come at them from all angles you know and you yeah. come at the and you have all those elements it's like the presentation the style the you know the 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 way that the way in which you know you're you're standing the way in which it's done you know and and all of those little uh elements of knowledge come together to create something that's magic you know and that's what that's what i love about it is is yeah. that you have to you have to know about so many other aspects acting performance you know the the uh, the, the the I mean I could I, I could go on the list as you mentioned a couple you just there just now yourself you know but that's the thing is that it's like uh, and that's what magic borrows from all the time and it's, it is kind of all these other uh, great skills to create something that looks impossible yeah and it, I I love that and then the second thing I love is the connection you can connect to anybody from anywhere in any situation like i remember before i did magic my wee sister watched miracle on 34th street sort of santi tv show movie and a wee kid sat in santi's knee and they asked her what it what she wanted and then the mom said oh, don't worry about it um she's deaf she'll not understand it she just wants a photo and then he did sign language and i was like that's brilliant and then as i gig like i've gigged with um people national language yeah, so yeah, you could just do, even if they don't have a clue, you can just point. Yeah, yeah. Do it. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, done different, like sponge balls appear and, and people who and disappear in the hands of blind people and their experience. And how cool is that? You can do it for a dog as well, by the way. Yeah. But how cool is that? Yeah. Magic, magic, magic translates to any, any language. It's like, that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And, yeah. and, people's reaction people feel this and you create that same emotion yeah that's amazing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it is yeah. one of the the mm. best it's things in, i ever got into in my life I think. when i when i've been when i've been traveling and and gone and met people who don't speak my language at all it's like that's an international language that you can do magic and you can yeah. make stuff yeah 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 people used to say to me all the time do you take a deck of cards with you everywhere and i'm like if only you knew what I was carrying, but I'm like, yeah, at least it just I used to use it even when I was younger, like to get into nightclubs and get I used to chapstick for free meals in Chinese restaurants and loads of stuff, like just yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I remember uh because I I mean I mean uh, me and my best friend Jules travel around Europe for uh, about five years in a camper van. And uh, he used to play the guitar and I did magic and we used to stop in these villages. And but even even in places where we didn't speak the language, we'd blag big 
barrels of oil because that's how we were running the camper van because um, he'd converted it to run on chip fat oil so we, we would like do magic and chat to people in villages and get i mean like yeah we traveled around for a long time like that but the, the um the, uh yeah it's incredible how um kind of i've forgotten what i've forgotten the point i wanted to make there about that uh where it can take you like magical just yeah 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 sorry yeah 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 so, so uh just the, the doors and avenues that it opens being able to do do magic that's what i was going to say to you yeah i remember now yeah uh so the doors and avenues that opens just being able to perform and do something like that is incredible and people's attitude changes it's like even yeah. the most stern-faced arsehole people you know remember a bouncer in new york who i'm now actually really good friends with on facebook because wouldn't let me into the club at all you know and uh, was just having none of it and i showed him a couple of like magic tricks and now we're good mates on facebook seven years later right and it like and he's a really smart guy you know because he just went wow you know it's such a um yeah i mean it's such a great skill to have in that sense in the, in the way that it opens doors that's not a reason to get into it or no, a reason to do it no. but, but but it's incredible how being able to like change people's perceptions or just show that you have a skill set like that is, is really useful and i remember uh, and this is what i was going to say you've just reminded me now yeah i remember <laughs> i was in uh, i was in soho right and i was about to do a gig and i'd um i'd lost uh one of my contact lenses and i couldn't see properly right and and i was really pissed off about this because it was really going to screw up what i was about to do and uh, and i ran into this opticians at about sort of six o'clock in the evening on old compton street and uh and and i said look i need a minus 3.5 contact lens right and she's like and the, and the woman and the woman said to me uh she said i'm really sorry you need a prescription for those you know you have to get a prescription i said no but i really need one can you can you give me a minus 3.5 contact lens like i know you know I said well we've got them but you, you you have to go prescription you have to have a test right? and, and i saw and i was just so hit up by this performance and stuff and i went look i don't think you understand <laughs> <laughs> and i whipped out the cards and i started doing this i did like this 10 minute performance of magic in the in the, in the middle of this opticians on old Compton street in london i don't think you understand really the concert. And I was like, they were like Oh, okay, okay, which one was it? Was it this one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget it because it just went into the I was like, shit, they need to they need to see me perform to know that <laughs> no other explanation. It can it's it's really handy to open doors like that many times, many times. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, Lee, I could talk to you forever, so I'm just gonna cut it here. it seems like a natural cutoff, and I might ask you to come back again in the future. Uh, Love to, mate. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Where is the best place for people to find you? Um, I, in terms of social media, I use Facebook mostly. Uh, I'm not really big on Instagram or Twitter. I like Facebook. I like the fact you can comment on people's things and stuff like that. Uh, I've got my website, leehathawaymagic.com. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, well, I'll link them below. And, uh, and one thing we've not mentioned, which you can see in the background, I live on a boat. So, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, so you'll find me on the Korean Union Canal usually. I was thinking, because every so often there's feet walk past, but I was thinking, I wonder if the viewers go on, what? You live on a canal? Is it, that's... I live on, the, on a canal boat, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you end up living on a boat? Oh, goodness me. Uh... 
You just what? flared up there. There you go. Like... There you go. There you go. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, I told you it was hot. Um, I always wanted to live on a boat. Um, I, um, I've, I've always, I've always loved. This is, by the way, this is not a sort of narrow boat. It's a wide beam, so it's more like a sort of flat. It's a big, it's a big wide barge. But um, I always wanted to live on a boat uh, for many years, and then I got to forty years old. Uh, I owned a flat in South London. Um, uh, my nan died. A friend of mine died. Split up with a partner, and I went sod it. Um, uh, it's either it's now or never, you know. And uh, yeah, one of the best decisions ever made. I love living on a boat. Absolutely love it. Thank you very much. See, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. And to everyone listening, thank you very much. Thanks, mate. You're very welcome. Uh, it's a pleasure to uh, uh, be part of it as well. Cheers. Thank you for asking. Mm-hmm.